You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. And we're going to take a little break from our series in Matthew. And we'll be back to that on December 27th. Um, But we're going to just take a few weeks today, the following week, and then Christmas Eve service, uh, just focusing on the birth of Christ as it's that time of year. So we've been invited uh, to return to our team in North Africa. And the plan right now is because that country is open uh, for tourists, that we're going to try to get there, a small team of us, uh, for trying to get there at the end of January. And uh, that's proving to be quite the challenge because flights are really, really messed up right now. Flights are really challenged. They are uh, just completely all over the place because of the pandemic and getting canceled and rescheduled and, and governments are putting different restrictions on what the airlines can, can and can't do. So um, our return trip that we're planning on right now, now we're holding all this loosely because, you know, there's so many variables at play. But right now the return trip is scheduled for like a 35-hour trip, which is not simple. Um, I've never quite had a mission trip journey like that, uh, getting from one place to another. And it honestly feels like a major inconvenience. But here's the thing. If, if this was just some type of a vacation trip and the goal was rest and relaxation, you would just say, well, forget it. We'll just wait and we'll... You know, go for a time that's more convenient in the travel. But rest and relaxation is not the agenda of this trip. This is a mission trip. So we're on a mission to bless and support and encourage others that really need it, especially in the time of a pandemic. And especially in a place where there's zero Christian witness. So it's not a self-serving trip. It's a service trip for our our team there. So in that sense, in light of the mission, we're willing to endure this inconvenience, right? And and on the grand scale of things, it's a really small inconvenience. And so the answer is, yeah, of course we'll try to make that happen as much as we can in our human abilities. And let's pray that the Lord would provide that in supernatural abilities. But what we're going to see this morning from our text is that Jesus is sent on a mission trip as well. That's very clear. And it's very inconvenient. Like Christmas begins with us getting a front row seat to the humility of inconvenience. It's all of it is just shrouded in inconvenience. God himself is clearly willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of the mission. And, and think about it like this. The nature of the inconvenience that is endured tells you something about the character of that person, right? So let's take a look again at our text and see what we can learn about Jesus. See what we can learn about King Jesus in this classic Christmas text Verse 1, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
Now jump down to verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Okay, let's stop right there. So this is easy for us to miss. Look at verse 4 again. Joseph went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, or sorry, from Galilee, so that's a region, and the town within that region is Nazareth. So they travel from Nazareth to Judea. So we've got to understand the world of the Bible here. Does anybody know how far that is? I didn't. I had to look that up. How far is that from Nazareth, Galilee region, to Judea? It's 150 kilometers. So think about it like this. Have you ever run a 5K? This is 30 times that. This is 35Ks, okay? No cars, no flights, no trains, donkey, camel, your feet. Those would probably be options. The Bible doesn't say. But the Bible does say that Mary was pregnant. And she's probably very pregnant. So ladies, how does that sound to do 30 times a 5K when you're pregos? Doesn't sound good, right? In the Middle East. Probably was warm. So that alone, I mean, we can miss that easily. But this is humble circumstances. This is inconvenient circumstances. Like consider it like this. You know, a, a foreign dignitary comes and is welcomed in another country. Like say the king of some nation, whatever, uh, is welcomed into our country. Like what happens when that happens? Well, those people have handlers. They don't have to even think for themselves. They've got people overseeing their schedule. Every need is provided. Nothing is up for grabs. Minimize the risk at all, if at all possible. Secret service escorts, food anytime they need it. Medical emergency will be, will be dealt with in the swiftest of fashions. The finest accommodations. This is how you show honor and respect to a foreign dignitary coming to another nation, right? We all get that. It just makes sense in our brains, right? But consider the contrast at Christmas. When God himself visits us, he makes no demands. He embraces the inconvenience. And this embrace and lack of demands on his part, it tells us something about his humility. But it even goes deeper in this text. Look at verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for Mary, for her, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Christmas for Jesus, God in flesh with mankind to dwell, it starts with profound humility seen in the inconvenience of it all, right? They had to travel all over the place at great cost and expense and, and effort to themselves for the sake of government orders. And then you have a baby in the ancient world. That alone is way more challenging than it is today. Very inconvenient. And then you have no place to stay. 
There's no place for them. God himself laid in a feeding trough. You ever been to a farm? You ever seen a feeding trough? Like we sanitize that with our nativity sets. It probably wasn't this nice, perfectly crafted piece of straw and, you know. Like in a nativity set, they should make it smell like manure, right? Because that's what it probably smelled like. It wasn't all nice and sanitized. So the mother of God gives birth in some extremely rough circumstances. No whirlpool suite in a nice hospital room for, for Mary, right? So the first Christmas was probably very uncomfortable. They're in a barn. God shows up and willingly embraces inconvenience. What does that tell us about humility? That God himself is willing to humble himself. So when you read these words, every, every year at Christmas, we want to think about God, how God presents himself in history. When God himself shows up on the earth, he's willing to present himself with staggering humility. It reminds me of a story. This week on Slack, um, Laurel posted an article from Francis Schaeffer, or discussing Francis Schaeffer, I can't remember which. A lot of you have never heard of Francis Schaeffer, but he was a great thinker in the middle of the 20th century, very influential uh, in like the 60s, 70s. Um, and this is a story about him. It was a long time ago in the summer of 1966 that Doug Nichols was working for Operation Mobilization. So that's a huge missions agency. And was stationed in London during their big annual conference. He was assigned to the cleanup crew. One night around 12.30 a.m., he was sweeping the steps at the conference center when an older gentleman approached him and asked if this was where the conference was being held. Doug said that it was, but that just about everyone had already gone to bed. This man was dressed very simply and had just a small bag with him. He said that he was attending the conference. Doug replied he would try to find him a place to sleep and led him to a room where about 50 people were bunked down on the floor. The older gentleman had nothing to sleep on, so Doug laid down some padding and a blanket and offered a towel for a pillow. The man said that he would be just fine and that he appreciated it very much. Doug asked the man if he had been able to eat dinner. It turns out that he hadn't eaten since he had been traveling all day. Doug took him to the dining room, where, but it was locked. He soon jimmied the lock and found some cornflakes and milk and bread and jam. As the man ate, the two began to talk. The man said that he and his wife had been working in Switzerland for several years where he had a small ministry that served hippies and travelers. He spoke about his work and spoke about, how, about some of the people he had seen turn to Christ. When he finished eating, both men turned in for the night. Doug woke up the next morning only to find out that he was in big trouble. The conference leaders came to him and said, don't you know who it was that you put on the floor last night? That's Francis Schaefer. He's the speaker for the conference. We had a whole room set aside for him. Doug had no idea that he was sleeping on the floor next to a celebrity. 
that he had told a man to sleep on the floor who had a profoundly important ministry. He had no idea that this man had helped shape the Christian church of that day and really the church of our day. And Schaefer never let on. In humility, he had accepted his lot and been grateful for it. So in the ethics of the Bible, the most powerful, prestigious, influential, the influencers, they're willing to take the most humble path. Take the common road. They're willing to embrace the humility and inconvenience. So, so the question comes to us now. If Christmas time is a time of renewed focus and seeing the humility of God himself come to earth, how can we press into these things as well? How can we press into these things as well? God himself doesn't show up in a context of, of comfort and ease. Like, treat me as I deserve or else. It's the opposite of that. Christmas is a time to humble ourselves like Jesus did. So here's the point. When, when God shows up on a mission of salvation, it all starts with him showing humility through the inconvenience that he's willing to endure. But there's a part two to this text. God also shows up to humble people. God shows up to humble people. He embraces it himself, and he shows up to those that are also humble. Let's take a look. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So again, let's think about that foreign dignitary. He shows up, he or she shows up, and who do they hang out with? Who's on the guest list of the gatherings that they're going to frequent? It's the important people. It's the powerful people. It's the people of influence, right? But again, we see in our text that when God comes, he does the opposite. He shows up to who? Who's in this text? It's shepherds. Now, in the ancient Middle Eastern mindset, shepherds are on the margins. They are not the influencers. They're not the powerful people. They're not the important people. They hang outside all day and night with stinky animals, right? And they're dirty. It's dry. It's dusty in the Middle East. So they're dirty. Their hands are, are, are handling animals all day that aren't really clean. They smell funny. These are not prestigious people. But the first people that get this announcement of what God is doing as the, as the hinge on which all of history turns, the first announcement of all that comes to these guys. Like, what's the deal with that? That's not what you would expect. 
So we don't know why shepherds, but what we see clearly is that God himself shows up in the most humble and inconvenient of circumstances and shows up to the most humble of people. It, it turn, see, again, we, we see this God doing this all over the place in the Bible. It takes the values of the world and turns it on its head. It's what I call the upside-down ethics of the kingdom of God. So I just want us to see that. That's part of the Christmas story. The unexpected nature of what God does. Let's, let's, let's check out what is the content now of this announcement that those shepherds heard. The most humble received the best news. Right? Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So think about this. This is one of the first gospel announcements in all of the New Testament. Look at it again. I bring you good news. Now think about it like this. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I've come to bring you some good advice. Here's all the stuff you have to do to be right with God. I bring you a program of self-salvation. A, B, C, and D. You can earn your salvation. He doesn't announce a program of, of self-empowerment. The angel doesn't announce good advice on how to be a better person so that God will hopefully love you and be merciful to you. It's not advice or a to-do list. That's all the other religions in the world. Christianity stands in stark contrast to that. It doesn't come with advice. It comes with an announcement about what God is doing. This is new. I will bring you good news, not good advice. And what is it? It's news centered on a person. Christ the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. So this is about a person. And it's going to lead to joy for the world. It's news that doesn't focus on us. It focuses on a Savior. He's come. The Messiah has come. The day that Jewish people have been longing for, for all the Old Testament, for all of human history, is finally here. Like the, the angel says to these humble shepherds, God has kept his promise. Jewish people have been longing for this for a long, long time time. And now, hear this, God is a promise-keeping God, always and forever. And it's happening right now. First heard by the shepherds. So what's the response? What's the response? Like, this kind of news is worthy of worship. And it's like when this news breaks into history, like the host of heaven, they can't Keep quiet. I, I love this scene. It's like you can't keep a lid on this, on this passion that is just spilling over from the host of heaven. Like, like this has to be, re, we have to respond in worship to this or the rocks are going to cry out. And that's what we see. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
So worship just breaks out. How could it not? But I want us to look back at verse 12. The angel says to these shepherds, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It's like the angel says to these, to these humble shepherds, if all of this like heavenly concert isn't enough to prove it to you, you can go see for yourself. You can go see for yourself. Go and find him. Go and see him. You will see that God's word will be proved true. Look for the baby in the most humble of places. Go look for yourself if you don't believe us. And this is a model, I think, of the Christian life. The shepherds just experienced it, right? This is Christianity 101 that we see at Christmas time. Think about it like this. The shepherds, they heard the word of God. They believed it and acted upon it by faith and were rewarded. Let me say that again. They heard the word of God. They believed it acted on it by faith, and were rewarded. Look at what happens. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They didn't say, eh, I'm not sure these, this angel knows what he's talking about. Mm, I'm skeptical still. No. They respond in faith, right? They act upon the news that is proclaimed to them. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They trusted in the revelation of God. God's making this known. I believe it. I'm going to act on it, right? Verse 16. And they went, okay, so they go. They believe and they go. With haste, they're not dragging their feet. They respond immediately to the revelation of God. And guess what? They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So they get to see that God is a promise-keeping God. He's true to his word. And they tell others about it. Look at verse 17. They made known the saying. They've got to talk about this amazing news that has broken into history. And then consider verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Hearing God's word, believing it by faith, acting on it, and then seeing the Lord be true to his word. Like, that's a rush. That's beautiful. That, that, that brings joy. Good news of great joy. And that joy demands a response. It's worship. And that's what we see in this Christmas text. It's just a roadmap of, of Christian spirituality. God himself is willing to humble himself to save. Like, how amazing is that? And those who love him and honor him as King Jesus follow him into this humility. So then we see worship spills out from his people when God's promise is proclaimed. Like, there's a baby. Come to save you. They believe it by faith, act upon it, and God is shown to be trustworthy in the reward of his seeing his promise come to pass, right? 
the shepherds and what they experienced are just a model of Christianity 101. See, the announcement for us today is just the Bible. It's just God's word. He has revealed himself. And this, this book is chocked full of promises. And the Bible says all of God's promises are yes, or can be believed because of Jesus, because of who he was and what he did. They're yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So we've, we too have received God's word, God's revelation. So the call is believe it, trust it, cast your life upon it. Go and see. Like the shepherds were said, go, like, go and see if you don't believe it. Like, give it a shot. Like God says to us, look at my word. Give it a shot. Believe it. Taste and see that God is good. And act upon it in obedience. And then just rejoice and worship when the truth of it is proven in your life. Like, this is a model of the life of trust in God. And, and as a result, may we join Mary and the shepherds in worship at Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word that you've given to us. Thank you for how you have shown us that you are willing to be humble and inconvenienced for the sake of salvation. And Lord, we do pray that you would give us ears to hear. We do pray that you would give us ears to hear, that we would listen and believe, act by faith, see your reward in our lives through that of just knowing you and being satisfied in you and may that spill over into worship. Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.